This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Good morning and welcome to episode number 77 of Go To Grandma. I'm your host and Go To Grandma, Kathy Buckworth. Thanks for joining us this morning at the end of January with the prospect of spring and spring flowers still a few months away. But that doesn't mean the very ardent and the very hesitant of gardeners can't be involved in the flora and fauna world right now. Full disclosure, I don't garden. I don't know how, and my brain doesn't seem to run in the direction of wanting to learn. Luckily, my husband is an excellent gardener, and with advice from my mom, also a wonder in the garden, our yard blooms in the summer and rests peacefully in the winter. I'm just responsible for placing little animal statues around the backyard for our grandsons to find. Gardening expert, landscape designer, and best-selling author, Carson Arthur, is on the show today to tell us what we need to be doing outdoors in our yards, even in the middle of winter. And then we'll move indoors with Carson as he tells us how to take care of the plants we have in our homes and how to diagnose and solve common houseplant problems. Carson and I used to meet up in unironic green rooms in television stations all over the country pre-COVID, and he always had the best gardening tips, as well as some pretty cool chainsaws, while I was on the show talking about how to manage problem teenagers. My focus has changed from problem teens to perfect grandkids, and Carson has a new venture he'll tell you about as well. Good times, and I'm so glad to have Carson join me on the show today. We will learn a lot. A common problem we all share is that of wanting to have beautiful flowers and plants around us, but at the same time protecting our environment. Editor-in-chief of Harrowsmith Magazine, Jen Reynolds, is back on the show to tell us about how to bring flowers into our homes the sustainable way. We'll talk about the dark side of cut flowers and how we can lessen our footprint as we lead up to one of flowers' biggest calendar events, Valentine's Day, and how to make those flowers last as long as possible. As grandparents, we're all vested in making sure we are doing our best to leave our grandchildren a world full of beauty. Do most people know the beauty of having a will in place? This week on our Take 5 with RBC interview, I talk with Leanne Kaufman, President and CEO of Royal Trust, as we bust some myths around the motivations we have to make sure our estate planning is in place. It's a blooming good show, and I believe you'll grow and blossom in our garden of knowledge today. Too much? You know we'll be delivering fun and facts as usual. Pour your coffee, steep your tea. Carson Arthur is joining me first. Over the last 25 years, Carson Arthur has taught homeowners how to raise the value of their homes through outdoor renovations while maintaining a focus on environmentally friendly choices. Carson is the author of the sold-out book, Garden Designs for Outdoor Living, and has a new book called Vegetables, Chickens, and Bees. In 2019, Carson opened his namesake market in Prince Edward County. With a focus on growing food, organic principles, and products that make gardening accessible to everyone, Carson's garden and market has quickly become a destination for discerning gardeners. Good morning, Carson Arthur. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Kathy, I'm I'm so excited to be here to talk spring. Yay, bring it on. No kidding, right? With this show, you know, this is the end of January. We need some good news in our plant life, don't <laughs> we? So I'm going to kick off, actually, Carson, you and I haven't spoken for a while, and you're new to our audience. So you're a gardening expert, of course. What changes have you seen in the gardening world? 
Well, it's interesting. I mean, the the baby boomers were really that Mark Cullen gardening generation. They really got into it. They got the Hort Societies going. They really embraced gardening. And what they really loved was collection gardening. So you'd see a lot of landscape plants and collections of roses and dahlias, and that's the type of thing that they loved in their outdoor spaces. Then you had Generation X come in and say, nope. I'm not gardening. I'm going to pay somebody else to do all the work that I don't want to do, <laughs> including landscape maintenance. So right. we saw a shift from these collection gardens to, you know, the same plants being used over and over and over again. And that diversity in our outdoor spaces really dropped off as, as a result. Now we're starting to see millennials, first-time homeowners moving back in, and they're following the footsteps of the boomers. They want collection gardening. They want to talk about, you know, pollinators. They want to save the monarch butterflies. They want to introduce lots of diversity, get rid of these monoculture lawns that Generation X really embraced. So we're seeing this full circle shift back into the world of gardening. That is so cool. I had never thought about that way, but everything you're describing seems really real to me, really true. I see that happening all around with my millennial kids and my boomer. My I call myself a junior boomer or my parents, you know, that much older. And and you're absolutely right. We're seeing a real change around that. But one thing that doesn't change is winter and when we have an outdoor plant. So what can we doing for our plants at this time of the year, starting from the outside? Well, it's been interesting all across our listening or the listening area. We're hearing more and more reports of damage from heavy snow or ice or, you know, just the winter abuse on trees and plants. And people are very nervous about that. So there's a few things you can do at this time of year. Go out and remove any split cracked branches, any branches that really have been damaged to the point where they can't be repaired. Let's remove those and we're going to cut them off as cleanly to the attaching branch as possible. That way, when the tree wakes up out of dormancy, it'll be able to start healing itself right away. Another thing that you should be doing at this time of year, believe it or not, is getting out and pruning your fruit trees. Ah. Apple trees, pear trees, they all want to be pruned when they are as dormant and as sound asleep as possible. So going into February, I know it's a terrible time for us. <laughs> it's the right time to prune your fruit trees, though. I'd never heard that before. I know for me, what my, here's my contribution to winter gardening. Carson, my husband, is the gardener. I just take in the little stone statues that I put out for my grandsons. So that's my... <laughs> so, All of the concrete statues should be in at this point. The little yeah. bunny is inside. So uh, what about... So let's go from... I didn't know about the fruit trees. That's so interesting. So let's go indoors now. And some of us... Now you have you know, brown thumbs or whatever. So what can we do to encourage or, you know, the health of our indoor plants, keep those going? Yeah, there's a couple of things we should definitely be looking at right now. Now, January has been very gray this year. So we've had a couple of sunshiny days, but by and large, the sunlight levels that your plants are getting through the window have actually decreased significantly. And your plants may be showing signs of this. So look for yellowing leaves. Um, distress, if they're really looking droopy. Maybe the plant isn't using as much water in the soil anymore and the soil's starting to get saturated. These are all signs that you may need to add some artificial light. Just turn a light on your plants. Another thing that you're going to see right now on indoor plants is browning around the outside margins, around the outside edges of the leaves. This is because our homes predominantly are either heated with forced air or a lot of people will use wood stoves. Both of these dry out the room significantly, and your plants need extra moisture in the air. So if you're seeing that browning, it's an indicator that your plants aren't getting enough humidity in the space, and it's time to invest in maybe an actual portable humidifier. Interesting. When do we know if it's, it's time to fertilize or feed those indoor plants? Yeah, feeding is a really interesting conversation. Some people like to say, well, if you feed, you encourage more growth. The truth is, don't feed your plants until the growth actually starts. 
when your plants start growing new leaves, it means that there's enough sunlight out there that they're absorbing that they feel confident that they can grow and sustain these new growths. So at that point, feeding them just gives them a little extra help. But that's when they're using their energy. So that's when you want to supplement it with a good organic fertilizer. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What would be a great plant to start my three-year-old grandson off with if we, if we wanted to see where, you know, maybe he overwaters it a bit? Or if it kind of like, is there a nice little plant that he could start with inside the house? Absolutely. So those grandkids love their SpongeBob. And ah. there's a plant called a, a starfish sansevieria. And it's sansevieria, by and large, are the easiest plants. The starfish version, it actually looks like a starfish in a flower pot. Very forgiving, can handle a lot of abuse and a lot of neglect. It's one of the most um, introductory plants that I recommend for anybody, but because it looks like a starfish, it's extra cool for the grandkids. I love that idea. So tell me, we've got about 30 seconds here. Tell me about Carson's Garden and Market. Why are we going there, Carson? Well, I've spent the last few years helping people with landscaping. Now I'm helping people grow food. With rising food costs and what's happening with the uncertainty of food chain supply, we're going to need to start turning our outdoor spaces into, you know, where we can grow our own stuff. So we specialize in fruit and vegetables, and that's all we do. We take it to a whole new level with heirlooms and things you haven't seen before, even like persimmons that grow in our area. That's amazing. And if we want more information, of course, we can go to carsonsgardenandmarket.com or you can follow Carson on Instagram, as I do, at Carson's Garden and Market. So nice to catch up with you. Thank you so much for this advice today, Carson. My pleasure. Thanks for including me. Take care. Jen Reynolds is a leader in sustainability practices and is passionate about gardening, nature, food, and not wasting anything. She is the editor-in-chief of Harrowsmith Magazine. Good morning, Jen Reynolds. Thanks for coming back on the show today. Thanks for having me. So, Jen, it's the middle of winter. It's a little depressing. What could cheer us up more than a bouquet of cut flowers from the supermarket? Am I right? Or is there an ugly side to cut flowers? You know what? Flowers and centerpieces, they bring a little nature into our everyday life, but there is a bit of a dark side to fresh flowers. Mostly they're brought in from local florists and supermarkets, and they're imported. And these cut flowers are often flown thousands of kilometers and refrigerated airplanes and often to different places too, not just from one country um, to Canada, but to multiple countries to go to a market and then come to Canada. So there's serious carbon emissions when Mm -hmm. our flowers get into our table. So they're also really thirsty. So they use a lot of water and chemical runoff when they're grown. So there is a bit of an ugly side, but I've got some tips to help us you know, get over that and make them a lot prettier. I knew that you would, Jen. I knew that you would have some great tips for us, especially with Valentine's Day just around the corner. This type of flower is on everyone's mind. So what sustainable choices can we make to lessen this footprint? You know what? There's a lot of flowers that are grown in Canada locally. So support your local flower growers. It's easier to do this in the summer than it is definitely mm-hmm. in the winter. But still at the farmer's markets, um, at Pick Your Own Farms, easy to find things that are grown locally, much, much less um, of a footprint um, on those flowers. Also, one of the big things is avoid that, you know, that green spongy flower foam? Yeah. That is very, um, it is very toxic. Oh. Yes. And it has a lot of microplastics that go into our water system. And so we want to make sure that we avoid buying or making arrangements with that foam. 
Um, and even, I mean, this is just, this is not a new idea. At the Queen's funeral, um, King Charles insisted that all of the, I guess Prince Charles at the time, insisted that all of the arrangements, including the big one on her casket, was not made with floral foam because oh, wow. of that exact reason, too. So, you know, things that you can do to get your flowers to stay in place is use a lot of sturdy branches sort of as a base in the flowers. So put the big branches into your vase or container first, and then you can hold up your flowers in there, too. It works just as well or even better than the floral foam. Interesting. I did not know that. I didn't think that was good for the environment. Don't get me wrong, but I I had never really Mm -hmm. given a lot of thought. What other tips do you have? Um, So if you're buying an arrangement or um, bringing flowers home, then make sure that you, you know, just little things like use newsprint for wrapping. Um, You know, that cell flame plastic is another plastic, and we definitely want to avoid plastics to be more sustainable. So, you know, say no on the plastic. You know, can you wrap it in paper instead? Use that. And instead of buying like a giant bouquet of of mixed flowers, maybe, you know, go with something that is a little bit more um, delicate and and subtle. Um, You know, I like to do all times of the year. Even now, I have a bunch of evergreens out in my garden and I clip them if I just want some green branches Mm -hmm. inside. So I clip them, I put them in. I even shop for um, herbs and vegetables that are pretty, and I put them in vases and containers, and I put them on my dining room table, or I put them around my house because they look gorgeous. They're in water, which keeps them better, and then I use them as I need to. So I look at all different things. I've expanded my ways of looking at flowers, so not just the big giant blossoms, um, but uh, you know, making sure that you do that. And if you go to harrismithmag.com, we have tons of ideas for sustainable um, table or arrangements and bouquets as well too, like using kale, using fresh herbs. They smell pretty and it's definitely something, it's a unique gift to give to somebody too. And what about, what What are we putting them in? You know, what kind of type of container is would be great for this type of thing? You know what? We love upcycling everything at Aerosmith. <laughs> I'm actually writing a story about that right now. And I can find anything around my house and make that a vase or a container. Um, so it could be, a, you know, a beautiful antique pitcher or even, you know, a cute little mug, a glass mason jar, um, or, you know, go to the thrift store and find something there. You don't need to buy new. So you know, don't buy new, think outside the box, don't use plastic, don't use foam, um, and buy local. And if you, you know, you follow one or two of those things, mm-hmm. even that will make a big difference. We don't have to be perfect right away. But you know, if you make one or two of those little changes, it really will make a difference. So someone brings us cut flowers, how can we make them last longer? You know what, definitely make sure that you give them a fresh cut every couple days and change the water. This means that they will, you won't get that sort of skunky smell Mm -hmm. um, to them. They'll be fresh and you can have them for weeks and weeks on end, especially the greens will last a long time. You know, often the the larger flowers will kind of poop out, keep the the greens in the vase and um, just enjoy that nice freshness. And then, you know, maybe plop in a few other flowers in there too. And you'll have something that, that lasts a long time. These are great tips, Jen, if somebody brings flowers to my house. What if I go out and buy them and bring them home? I don't know how to arrange flowers or to do some of these things. So give me your best tips on how to keep those home arrangements looking wonderful. Okay, so there's three key ways that we can build an arrangement by staying away from that floral foam. So the first is to really take a minimal approach. And and that means, you know, just buying a few stems and arranging them beautifully like the, you know, Jack 
Japanese, Ekabana um, arrangements, those never go out of style. Um, so you could be minimal. You could also use as you're building an arrangement with, you know, lots of different flowers, you could use a reusable form. And sometimes when I'm building a lot of different arrangements, I'll go to the hardware store and I'll get a big thing of chicken wire and that will, you know, just mold it in shape and put it inside a vase or a pot. And then that, that has little holes in it. It's got wire. So things you can just, you know, kind of put the stems in there and everything will stay in place. And it'll just help you sort of create the, the form of that. Or you can use a flower frog. And that is um, like a vintage form, um, like a piece of hardware or an apparatus that you can construct a, a floral arrangement with to keep them in place. Sometimes they have spikes or holes and they come in different shapes and sizes. I love, I shop for them at vintage stores all the time and on Etsy and um, they'll often inspire what I'm making. So you can use a reusable form, but what I do all the time, um, I'd say 90% of the time when I'm building a floral arrangement is I use, make the base of green stems or twiggy base. So when you're doing something like that, um, make sure that you have a lot of like good greens. And that's where I, I use my garden and I use it all year round. Um, things like boxwood I'll snip out of the garden, cedar, yew bushes, um, those kind of things. They're some of the prettiest greens and they really look good inside all year round. And, um, and so you want to find, you want to snip them and bring them inside and you want to find a glass vase that you know, the shape that will work for your, the, the table or, or for whoever you're, you're going to give that to. Um, a may, a, you, you want to look for probably a low round glass bowl or something like a modern square vase or, or something like that or even a mason jar that you have. And you just want to simply just snip the ends of those greens and add them to the water. Take off some of the greens that would hit the water. You don't want to add too much water into the vase. Um, make sure that it's kind of sitting in the water and that you've created this vase of just greens, which I think is beautiful on its own. But what it means is that all these branches are standing straight up in the vase. And now you have the base. And you can add those fresh flowers to it. You could add dried flowers to it. You could add, um, sometimes I get cones like pine cones or spruce cones um, that I will wrap with wire and just put them into that little arrangement um, as well too. In the winter, you can use berries or, you know, whatever you have around. And it really is like the foam and it holds all the blooms just perfectly in place. Um, And a lower arrangement is always prettier on a table than something too high. And you can always then, if you've got that great base, of course, then Mm -hmm. add less cut flowers. You don't have to buy less cut flowers, which is great. These are wonderful tips. And of course, Harrowsmith is Canada's magazines for sustainable living. And the winter issue is on newsstands now and full of projects and ideas like the ones you shared with me today. Thank you so much, Jen Reynolds, for helping us out with our flowers. Thanks, Kathy. Leanne Kaufman is President and CEO of the Royal Trust Corporation of Canada and the Royal Trust Company. She is responsible for the strategy and overall management of RBC Royal Trust, which provides wealth protection and transfer solutions across generations to high net wealth Canadian families. A lawyer by profession, Leanne is the author of the fourth edition of the Executor's Handbook, a contributor to various publications on the topic of estates and trusts, and the host of RBC Wealth Management's Matters Beyond Wealth podcast. Good morning, Leanne. Thanks so much for coming back on for our Take 5 with RBC interview this morning on GoToGrandma. 
Well, thanks for having me again, Kathy. It's great to be here. So today we're going to talk about wills. And of course, as a parent and a grandparent, pretty much have that those things in order, and a lot of us do. But it's really important for the younger generation to think about this as well. So recently, RBC Royal Trust conducted an Ipsos survey to see if more people were motivated than before the pandemic to get their affairs in order in 2022. Were there any surprising results? Well, there were a couple of things that weren't really surprising. And then one thing that that did surprise me. So first of all, we found that people weren't really any more motivated <laughs> to actually get to the end and, and complete a will uh, post-pandemic or during the pandemic, even though I think more people were interested in talking about it or thinking about it. So we still have around 50% of Canadians um, not having a will. Uh, I think when we're talking about the younger cohort, again, perhaps not surprising, about 70% of them, so that, that was the people between the ages of 18 and 34 we surveyed, did not have a will. But here's the part I found really surprising. Those aged 35 to 55, there were still 66% of those that didn't have a will yet. And uh, so that's much higher than I would have expected for that age group. Yeah, it is, especially when you consider they, they might have families and that sort of thing. So when a younger person is focusing on creating their, what are they looking at? A couple of things came out of our survey. First of all, they're interested in dealing with their digital assets, which maybe, again, shouldn't surprise us. Uh, They're more likely to talk about what they want to have done with their digital assets and probably to have taken the necessary steps to deal with those digital assets on the various platforms where they have them. So, you know, that's something that we need to continue to educate ourselves on because it is something that continues to evolve, but also really grow in all of our lives, the digital footprint we're leaving behind. So it's it's something that the the young people have a a better handle on. And then the other thing that was interesting to us was this concept of purpose and, and charitable giving and wanting to leave a legacy. It seemed to be more top of mind for the younger Canadians when they were preparing their estates over half of them, actually, 53% of the 18 to 34-year-olds said that they had incorporated charitable giving into their estate plans. When we went to the age group over 55, that number dropped to 13%. So a real demonstrated um, interest in charity and philanthropy in the younger cohort. It's not great. <laughs> that's, a, that's a wonderful statistic. I love that. Um, mm-hmm. So what's one thing you would like our listeners to take away f- from the conversation today? And you touch on digital assets, and I think that's really important for people f- our age to consider as well in terms of our online presence and how we manage that. So what else would you like our listeners to, to focus on after today's conversation? Yeah, that's a great point. Educate yourself on the digital assets and figure out what needs to be done because it isn't as clear cut as mm-hmm. we might think. But other than that, I mean, I think the really simple message here is simply get a will. Um, yeah. You know, we we heard that uh, 21% of those we surveyed thought that either they were too young to get a will or they didn't have enough assets. And I think both of those are myths. You're never too young to create a will as long as, you know, you meet the age of majority kind of uh, requirements. And then if you have any assets at all that you care about, you know, where they go when you're no longer here, you can only do that through a will. So basically my message is, yeah, everybody needs a will. And this surprised me. In all provinces except British Columbia and Newfoundland and Labrador, you can make a will if you're age of majority. In BC, you need to be 16 and Newfoundland, the age is 17. Those are young ages. You're right. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I think that you marry up those ideals around wanting to be charitable. You can't do that if you don't have a will, right? If you if you pass away without a will, there's no way for you to um, to give a gift to charity through your estate. 
And so, you know, these are things that only can only be accomplished if you've got the right paperwork in place. Absolutely. So important. And if we need more information on this, we can go to rbc.com slash royal trust, or we can follow actually on social media. We can also go to RBC Wealth on Twitter and RBC Wealth Management on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks so much for your time again today, Leanne. My pleasure. Nice speaking with you. A flower blossoms for its own joy. Oscar Wilde said that as he said many smart things. I'm not sure he was just talking about physical flowers here, but how we bloom for our own joy personally. Words to ponder. Thanks to Carson and Jen for bringing their expertise to us and in helping us to create magical garden spaces and natural indoor vistas for our grandchildren. Next week, we are doing our best to stay up and not get down unless we want to. I'll explain. The long-distance grandparent creator and professor, Dr. Carrie Byrne, is back on the show to encourage long-distance grandparents to not get down when they feel establishing a real relationship with their grandkids far away seems like an impossible task. Carrie recently wrote an article for Grand Magazine, which she's going to share with us and why we should never give up trying to have a consistent and loving relationship that you and your grandkids can rely upon. Down can be a good thing when we talk about downsizing. I've got downsizing diva Karen Shin on next week's show to give us some tips on how to keep up on all of the things we accumulate and how to get the number of things in our homes down before we move to a potentially smaller space. Our Take 5 with RBC interview next week is all about the Black Entrepreneur Loan Program, so I hope you'll tune in for that. Thanks for stopping by today. You've been listening to me, Kathy Buckworth, your go-to grandma on Zoomer Radio or on your favorite podcast provider. Enjoy your grand journey. Share your thoughts on this show with us. You can find Kathy on Twitter at Kathy Buckworth or email her Kathy at KathyBuckworth.com. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.